Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt and I'm joined, as ever, by Steve Anglesey. Hello everyone. We're going to talk about that historic bit of high drama, um, the House of Commons, next. Um, in a little while we're going to retire to the pub, Steve. Yes, marvellous. Hopefully your Dalek friend will be there. Well, I've already I've already seen him, so... He's yeah. already heading down there? He's, he's, yeah, he's in there. Blimey. I saw him outside, outside Weatherspoons this <laughs> Are we going to the Weatherspoons? We're going for spoons, yeah. Okay, well, we'll we're going to retire to the spoons to talk about drinking. Yeah. Specifically, Westminster drinking. Yes. Um... And then we'll be crowning our Brexiteer of the Week. But first, Steve, what a night. What a night. Yeah? Oh, what a night. Oh, what a night. What a, what a week. Late December, back in... <laughs> back in the 2017. Um, <laughs> it's been quite a week, hasn't it, for... It's been an extraordinary the forces week. Of, the forces of righteousness. Well, I mean, Manchester City beat Manchester United. <laughs> yes. Roy Moore loses. Nigel Farage's mate Roy Moore loses in Alabama. Yeah. The government's Al- back in chaos. Alabama ding-dong. After... Two days of stability. Well, we should probably rewind because the pod came out without the deal last yes. week. But uh, but it was a dawn deal in Brussels last week, and a couple of good sort of days for Theresa May after that. Absolutely. Um, it seemed that we were move. Well, we are moving on to trade talks, and it seemed like the everyone was rallying around her. Yes. And then just little cracks started showing over the weekend, didn't they? Yeah. Michael Gove. Mm, hitting, it, hitting it with a with a sledgehammer and trying to force some cracks. David Davis, we can well, talk about him in a bit. Yeah, let's leave. Let's park him. And now this and defeat. Now this. The rebels, the Tory rebels, were needed, of course, to get it, to get the amendment over the line. Yes, they Labor, were. Labour um, can't do it on their own. So let's let's do a roll call of glorious roll call of of rebels. Heidi Allen, hey, Ken Clark, hey, Ken Clark. God bless him. Jonathan Ginganguli. Yeah, Ginganguli, Guli Watcher, yeah. Well Dominic done. Grieve. Yay. Stephen Hammond. Yay. Uh, Oliver Heald. Oliver Heald. Nicky Morgan. Nicky Morgan, we'll talk we'll more talk about, about her, her a bit, well. yeah. Robert Neal. Robert Neal. An- Antoinette Sandbatch. Yes. She sounds like a... Well... A character from a, from a novel that I've never read. Antoinette... Jane Austen's... <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Giles Corrin has written that he's <laughs> yeah. never been a fan of Antoinette <laughs> Sandbatch. Um, Anna Subri, of course. Super Subri. And uh, Sarah Wollstone. So, round of yeah. applause. Well done. Well done, all. I think the, the, the important thing about these rebels is that they have. It's not that, they, it's not that they've stood up against Brexit. 
although they have in a way, but it's not that. Yes. It's not that they've derailed Brexit because they haven't no, done they haven't. that. It's that they've stood up for parliamentary sovereignty, which is what the Leavers wanted all along. Yeah, they, they've taken back control. And who wanted parliamentary sovereignty possibly more than anyone else? Which voice, which huge voice in this country wanted it more than anyone else? Wait, who? Tell me who. Mr Dacre. Paul Dacre of yeah. the Daily Mail. That's right. He's reacted in a calm fashion, hasn't he? <laughs> when, when, just after the details of this vote were were uh, were, were revealed, I, I tweeted a, a, a GIF or GIF, if you if you prefer, of um, the scene from David Cronenberg's Scanners, where a man's head explodes, <laughs> and said, "This is this will be happening in the Daily Mail uh, newsroom on the back bench right now." And having and, spent a little. Time in the Daily Mail newsroom, I can tell you that happens on some yeah, daily. hourly, <laughs> not just an hourly, either. an hourly basis. Yeah. And I mean, the Daily Mail, the, the front cover of the Daily Mail, all it is, it, which shows the faces of the 11 people that we've just lauded now, uh, it shows pictures of them, mm-hmm. and all it is missing, frankly, is the, is the crosshairs over yeah. each one. Yeah. And when I was on the way to record the podcast this morning, as I've, as I've just mentioned, mm. um, as I've just you, mentioned, you, you stopped off in the pub already. Well, I, I, I live, I Locked live. In. The the the, 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 the Weatherspoons in Norwich is on the way from my house. That is between, true. It actually. is actually true. That is isn't actually it? true. Yeah. And um, and outside, I saw queuing. Yeah, queuing to get in, waiting <laughs> with his little gun stick wrapping on the door. <laughs> I saw my my Dalek friend, and ah. he he was reading a copy of the the Daily Mail's front page from of today. Course, and, of course, he was. And and it sounded like this. Just as the newly confident Tories inch ahead in the polls, 11 self-consumed malcontents pull the rug from under our EU negotiators, betray their leader, their party, and 17.4 million Brexit voters, and most damning of all, increase the possibility of a Marxist in number 10. Exterminate! Exterminate! So as you can see, he was, as you can hear, he was pretty aerated about it. And, he was. Um, He's probably calmed down now. He's had a couple well, of Stellas. He'll, he'll have had a couple of Stellas by now, yeah. Um... um but it's a remarkable issue of the uh, of the Daily Mail. I don't know whether um, I mean we can touch on 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 uh, on the sort of the, the the whips and all of that in a second. Well, let's just do um, with the Mail and, and and let's mention the Telegraph as well because they had the um, they had their fairly extraordinary front page. I think it was last month. Yeah, now. exactly. I think I think that the I do I try not to the, the phrase "dog doesn't bite dog" was sort of. Mm beaten into me as a young reporter and I try to adhere to that but when there's a normalisation of words like traitor yeah. and treason and saboteur I think we've got to just stand back and, and ask ourselves as journalists a few questions because these people are, are not traitors what they've done is not treason they're not even saboteurs they've voted to allow proper scrutiny of yes. a, a bill before parliament yes Exactly. That is all they've done. They've voted to do their job. So, of the, so of the people that you know, the Daily Mail are calling that front page is calling self-obsessed and uh, and all of that, and hinting that they're treacherous and treasonous and just in it for themselves. We've got Heidi Allen, whose constituency voted sixty-one point six percent to remain South Cambridgeshire, and we've got Stephen Hammond, who's in Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Whose constituency only voted twenty three point four percent to leave. So what are they going to do? Once again, and and once again, that the the hypo- the hypocrisy of the people quoted to support this treachery and traitors thing is remarkable. Nigel Evans, who told the Daily Mail, I hate to use the word treachery, 
but I don't know what satisfaction they get from being cheered by Labour. He's voted against his own party 36 times yeah. since 1997. Yeah. Nadine Dorries, who said the Tory rebels have put spring in Labour's step, they should be deselected and never allowed to stand as a Tory MP over again. Do you know what? There's plenty of things that Nadine Dorries has done which should get her deselected, in my opinion. Yes, including voting against her own party 43 times since oh, no, 2005. I'm, I'm happy for her to do that, because yeah. that's democracy! Is is Julian Smith hapless, the chief whip? He's uh, being blamed for this fiasco, isn't he? You do he? wonder if Mr Williamson was still in charge with old uh, Cronus, Cronus, the spider, um, whether this would have happened. I think uh, I think the whip's office will be head in hands today, yes. Because, I mean, Julian Smith was sort of blamed a bit for the DUP fiasco of the previous week, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. And for failing to get them to yeah. sort of sign up in blood to the mm. to the deal. And um, and then you know so he's now being blamed for for this and obviously there there's some you know fairly incredible scenes aren't there 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 are these allegations that one of the whips uh, who's been uh, has been named as Chris Heaton Harris who of course is the man who wrote to all the universities asking to to see full details of what they were saying about Brexit. Worked out well for him that. He's been it did work out well. He's been accused of making one female rebel Tory cry and shake, uh, which is an allegation that he denies. But I, um, if I ask a woman to if I can buy him a drink, that happens. Well, so just... quite rightly. And then there's a there's a, also a story that one potential rebel. Um, has, was who was being pressed to vote with the government last night? Julian Smith told them that they he was he he was going to sue them if they said anything about bad about how the whips were handling this. Yes, it's absolutely. Well, firstly, I can tell him now that there is privilege in the chamber, so they could have just gone and said it in the chamber, and you can, well, exactly. you can say anything you want. Yeah, maybe they should do that. Yeah, they say he's Julian Smith is a bit of a. T- that would be absolutely fine. It, for, uh, <clears throat> and Chris Heaton Harris um, said this was categorically not true, and he said you'll have to go through any through number ten to get any comment from me about this. Right. So anyway, so not a great week, is it? Well, it's it, it, the wheels have well and truly fallen off, and of course now Mrs May off to Brussels to uh, to, yes. to meet the EU twenty seven. I think that. I do. I think, like we said last week, the EU at present are looking quite fondly at Theresa May because she's the best of a bad bunch as far mm. as they're concerned. Yes. So, although I think she'll be more red-faced here than she will be in Brussels on this defeat. Yes. My other thought on this, actually, and I think um, it was the Mail that said, um, it was beautifully read out by Mr. Dalek, that the rug had been pulled from under the UK negotiating team. Yes. I, I disagree, actually. I think if you look at this more pragmatically, then I think there is every argument to say that the UK's hand is strengthened because the EU want a deal. They need a deal as yeah. well, right? We need a be- we really need a deal, but they also need a deal. Yeah. They don't want us they don't want a hard Brexit. If they now were to give us a dud, which there's been no suggestion they would, mm. the ministers would have been happier just to nod along. Yes, yes, this is fine and and tell everyone how great it was. Now there is some, going to be some proper scrutiny of that in in the House, mm. and there's going to be a vote on it. And if it's and if it is knocked down, I guess it'll be go back and renegotiate, or 
it'll be a hard Brexit. Because this isn't stopping Brexit, and the EU don't want a hard Brexit. No. So I think, actually, this forces the EU's hand a little bit to give Britain a bit more, if they were ever going to screw us over, which there was no suggestion there was. Yes. But I think that spikes any guns out there that were, were training at us. Well, that, I, think that is, I think that's absolutely right. Good. Um, I think, but I think that, I think that since last week, the, thanks to the interventions of one silver-haired oh, loon, goodness the me. Brussels are looking not very favourably towards us as we go into Well, they're not looking favourably towards him. And yeah. that's the Is issue. that the issue? I think yeah. he, he, so we're talking about David Davis, yes, obviously. Yes, of course. He, I mean, they, on numerous occasions now, Theresa May has had to intervene to kick-start these talks. Uh, yes. The Florence speech, for example. We should have been a lot further on than we were at that stage, and people are laying the blame at, at David Davis's door. And I think that they did then, and increasingly, it seems like he's out of his depth. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what his game is, David Davis. Does he want to be the Prime Minister, uh, or does he want to be sacked or he wants retire? To, he certainly wants to go down in history. Well, I think he's going and the right way about if that. If you look at some of the things he's done previously, like, for example... The pointless resignation. The pointless resignation, which cost the taxpayer a heck of a lot of money. Yes. <clears throat> and Labour refused to stand against him, of course. Um, this was back in 2007, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, he stood down on um, a, a, because the government was supposedly trampling all of her civil liberties at the time. Um, restood, won his seat, nothing changed. I think I think he probably regrets it now, actually. I would never admit that. But he likes to... He just likes to be in the thick of it. Mm. And I think what we're seeing is... <laughs> his office appears to be uh, like a scene from In the Thick yes, of It, exactly. frankly. And, but he, the guy's blundering now. It, 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 just acting macho doesn't get you a good Brexit deal. And that's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just seems like... It, this is a government of where two of the top four people in the, in the government are not really well. They're not grown ups. No, and they're, despite their advancing years, yeah, yeah, and they are gaff prone, and yeah. they are detail free zones. They don't seem to have any mastery of what they do. They don't seem to. Well, there was a Times leader this week, and the Times have been quite supportive of David Davis. Yeah. I, I think, uh, considering that they were a, a sort of pro Remain. Paper and there was, you know, Times leader that was ended with them urging him to take his job, start taking his job seriously, and it feels yeah. like he doesn't take it seriously because having gone to Brussels and hugged Junker and Barnier and and, and, and these people, and this came back, you know, obviously the, the the press were one thing. I think one thing the Whip's office did do was really get the Tory press on side. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the Sun and the Mail, particularly on on Saturday morning, were sort of glowing, weren't yeah, they? Yeah. Rejoice! And he has snatched defeat from the jaws of mm. pretend victory because he was yeah. on—I forget whether it was Peston or Mar on on. Uh, well, it was Peston's away, so it must have been Mar. It was Mar, yeah. And said um, that the the agreement on money and the citizens' rights on and Ireland was more. He said it was more of a statement of intent than yeah. legally enforceable. The other thing was there was no need for him to say that. Yeah, the, there is a great the, the, whatever you think about the EU negotiating team and about the the phraseology that's in um, in that statement in that document. There is a get out of jail free card for the UK in there, which says nothing is agreed until so, everything's yeah, exactly. agreed. And yeah. he could have just trotted that out, but yeah. instead he starts blundering on about how well you know it's fine, where everything's fine, and none of it's agreed. And he sounded like the kind of boastful. 
that you get in that pub we're about to go to. Yes, exactly. You know, and then this was, and then he had to say that it was legally enforceable, and he wanted it enshrined in law. Yeah. Uh, Verhofstadt obviously lost his uh, lost his rag completely, and then we talked last week, didn't we, about the, the the sort of the farce of the Brexit impact papers, and then so he comes to the House on uh, the House of Commons on Wednesday, and says. I promise you that you'll get a vote on the Brexit <clears throat> agreement as soon as possible after we finish negotiations, and it will be a meaningful vote. And what do they do? They, they clearly don't believe him. No. They think he's out of his depth. No, they don't believe him. The EU doesn't believe him. I mean, Barnier said um, in the in the EU Parliament, will not accept any backtracking from the UK on their commitments. Yes. He's very tough on Davis, and I don't think they do believe him. And I think that they're worried. I think that this, I, I personally, I mean, we spoke about this on the pod before, we thought that Davis was use, was propping May up because yes. to, as to use her as a human shield through Brexit. I think it's actually turned out the other way around. I think that actually now May can deflect a lot of the Brexit criticism onto onto DD. Yes, I mean she said when the exit polls came <laughs> in, she said, "Get me DD. Get me DD. Yeah. He'll sort it out." Um, I mean, he, at one point, he was a sort of one of the bright hopes of the hard Brexiteers as well, wasn't he? And now even they don't. No, no because, they don't trust him. Because our old mate Godfrey Bloom, who's often featured in the worst Brexiteer of the week, uh, he's the former UKIP MEP for Bongo Bongo Land, you might remember him, uh, uh, has said he lives near Howarden, which is David Davis's constituency, yeah. and said on Friday, I've just been for a few drinks in Howarden, uh, and if he he should stay away from the pubs there because the locals want to hang him. Whoa! Which I think is a bit strong for A, for Howden, and B, uh, even for, 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 for Godfrey Although Blue. that said, there is a very, through, through a complete sort of fluke of nature, there is a massive um, population of journalists in Howden. Yes, there is, through the, <laughs> so the Press Association. Why, yeah. Maybe that is why, yeah. There's also what well, before we sort of close the the, the lid on, on on David Davis, there is also I don't know if you've seen uh, or the listeners have seen there is a uh, a, a, a great there's been a great tweet I don't know who originally found this I've seen it retweeted by various people I think Michael Deacon from the Telegraph is among them kudos to whoever found this from Hansard in November 2002 David Davis talking about <laughs> referendums. Um, and he said there's a proper role for referendums uh, in constitutional change, but only if they're done properly. If they're not done properly, they can be a dangerous tool, which is... <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, he says, um, he says a referendum should be held when people know exactly what they are getting. Yeah. We should not ask people to vote on a blank sheet of paper and tell them to trust us to fill in the details afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. All sounds like sensible advice. Uh, he also said this week, didn't he? Um, he was on with, uh, with Nick Ferrari on LBC, yeah, and said, "What's the requirement of my job? I don't have to be very clever. I don't have to know that much." Well, In which case, he's perfect. Yeah, he's I'd perfect. Heal. I know. I know why Theresa May chose him. The job's yours. Let's talk about. Someone in the toy ranks who perhaps is starting to shine rather brightly, Nicky Morgan. Yes. Um, obviously, very much a remainer, and we were aware of that. Um, but she'd kind of gone quiet um, and didn't see, seem to be sulking rather than actually doing anything in particular, um, in my opinion. But, of course, maybe that's not the case. It seems she's been working behind the scenes. She was the... Um, 
driving force behind the the letter from Remainers. Yes. Um, calling out Govan Boris. Yes. Um, which was excellent. And she's also now, of course, the the chairman of the Treasury Select Committee, which is a very big job. Yeah. And uh, they've been flexing their muscles this week as well, and saying that uh, they, you know, they're concerned about the impact of Brexit. Is now the time for for Nikki to really get front and centre on this? You know, they've had a they've had a, a good victory, the Tory rebels, and the Remainers are on the up a little bit. Now's the time for her to really uh, get out there, get in front of the TV cameras. Um, yes. and and start to build some momentum around around this vote, isn't it? Well, I think so, and I think that's what she's planning to do. I, I've never really thought very much of of, of Nikki Morgan. I don't think. She, I mean, I didn't think she was a very good education secretary. But then it's hard to name an edu- It's a poison chalice, isn't it? That role. Yeah. It's hard to name yes. an education secretary. All you can say about Nikki Morgan is that she was slight. Well, she was considerably. Better than Michael Gove, yeah, who, was, who, yeah. who was clearly the worst in a long time. But I've always thought that she was on the cusp a bit of being a real person and a character played by Jessica Hines. However, <laughs> um, the, the interview that she did in the Guardian a couple of weeks back—I don't know if you saw it—with Decker Aikenhead was was really good, mm. and mm. Uh, and it was—I mean, it was not gossipy, but it was candid. Yeah. You know, she, yeah. she basically threw. Boris under a bus. Yeah, was she, it that bus? She, uh, it was the big red bus. Okay. Yeah, uh, that would really flatten you out, wouldn't it? What um, a great story that'd be! Boris killed by Brexit, killed bus. by her own bus. <laughs> that would be amazing. What a great story! Um, so, uh, and she threw him under the bus. She basically said, uh, "Never talks to John Redwood. He, he completely blanks her, and she blanks him." She yeah. said that Gove had commiserated with her about the Telegraph front page that we were talking before, which had her picture on. Michael Gove is the politest man possibly on earth. Yeah, yeah. Although she did say that that Gove had... She'd asked Gove about his appearance on uh, on Ma when he failed to... uh, Slap yes. down Boris yeah. um, over uh, over the, uh, the the woman in Iran, mm-hmm. and uh, he'd said that he'd had a complete mental blank. And she said, I, "To be honest with you, I don't really believe it." Right. But what she did say, oh, she also said that Trump shouldn't visit. Yeah. Um, until until he was you know nearing the end of his time in office, at least. Yeah. Anyway, she 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 said, which I thought was really good. It's time for the senior people in my party to stop appeasing the Brexiteers. One of the joys of being forty-five is there comes a point in life where you've got to face things down. Face things down. You've got to turn and say, "I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to tell you what I think." I've and got. To, I've just got to that stage. Just right. Just right now. Don't tell me what you think, please. <laughs> but I. But I like that. I thought that was. Yeah, that's great. I thought that was good and honest. Yeah. And, and maybe a few more people will start doing that. Yeah, now. we need more Nicky Morgans. But I tell you what, I need. Yeah. Beer. Okay. Let's Should go, we go? Let's go to the pub. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One, or order online at our website www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Oh, fantastic. Cool. Right, what do you want? Uh, I'll have a uh, oh, thumper, please. Yeah, let's sit at the bar. 
Oh, two pints of Old Thumper, please. Oh, Steve. Oh, Chili, where's your Dalek friend? Oh, he's. Oh, look, he's he's fallen over in the corner over there, hasn't he? Ah, yes. His little oh, well. wheels are rotating. <laughs> they, are, they are. God bless him. He's still got his copy of the Daily Mail as well. He has, yeah. So we, we we've come to the pub to chat about a Westminster drinking culture. We have, yeah. Which is, it's been in the news recently, hasn't it? There's there's a there's a court case, a fairly unsavoury court case, which is going on at the moment, which centres around the um, the uh, sports and social bar. Yeah. Uh, and obviously there was some kind of glassing in the sports and social bar. We're alleged, told. Alleged, alleged attack. Alleged yeah. attack uh, in that sports and social bar. That was shut temporarily. Yeah. Uh, and now Tom Brake, who is the chair of the House of Commons Commission, he's gonna he's, he's talking about putting the brake on um, on. Uh, Subsidised booze, isn't he? Yes. In the, in the House of Commons <clears throat> bars, there's yes, no because when there's no direct subsidy. He said, but the prices are pretty generous, frankly. Yes, they are rather. Yeah. Um, I've got. Have you? So, I've, so I've, I know all the prices off by heart because because firstly I like a drink. Secondly, I'm from Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah. So I know exactly what everything costs. So Do you when you. Go out for a drink from your home in Suffolk. Do you often travel to the House of Commons <laughs> just to save some money? Have you worked out the cost-benefit analysis? I, I haven't, but I, I will do now. Yeah, um, I've I have not really much history with this. I've only had a drink in the House of Commons once with with Kevin Maguire of the of the Daily Mirror and some it. others uh, from the Daily Mirror, and we went to. A little bar, which I think is, is the strangest bar, That's is right. it? And it was I'm pretty sure you're in strangers. Yeah. And it was pretty much like the Winchester, uh, not the Shaun of the Dead Winchester, but the Terry McCann and Arthur Daly uh, Winchester Club. It was pretty seedy, fairly unremarkable, and it was yeah. Well, I mean, the bars in Westminster. But it was cheap. Yes, and, they are. And cheap. I did, I did, I did indulge. I've got to say. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. So you mentioned Strangers, which is probably the most famous one. Yeah, Annie's was was really famous, but it's, it's named after a uh, barmaid who worked right. there called Annie. <laughs> it's funny yeah. that, isn't yeah. it? That that's gone. Right. The, the press bar was a great hangout. That's changed now. It's called Moncrief, named after legendary Chris um, Moncrief, PA political editor Chris Moncrief, who loved a drink. Right. And then went completely teetotal. Okay. Um, and actually, it's more of a cafe than a bar. Although they do uh, they do. They, well, there's been there's been much controversy this week because they've started shutting at five and not six. <laughs> there is often people working who still want mini cheddars after five. Yes. Um, but I mean, but it is cheap. It is cheap. Yes. And you can fairly quickly get drunk. Yes. And um, you know, it happens. There are often if you go if you wander around past Westminster at eight nine o'clock in the evening, there are a lot of drunk people. Right. Why is that? Do you think? Because they're drinking. A lot of beer, wine. <laughs> but what drives that? Well, I mean, you know, let's the people. There are a lot of uh, a lot of people who maybe don't work on the estate who will c- come in as guests, right, in the evening. Um, but also, uh, the people who work in in you know journalists, MPs, certainly the not very well paid, yeah, uh, often young special advisors and, and things like that right. who, who work for MPs who work a lot of hours you know yeah. and, and uh, they're they're often in their 20s and what what did you do when you were in your 20s? Well 
Well, I didn't go to the House of Commons. No, but you drink went. It. You, I'm I sure did. you. I went to some. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. had a couple of pints of Thumper. I did. Thumper. That's true. So that. So I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to have a go at them for indulging. But no. the prices are. But are, are low. they? Are they? See, are they the kind of scenes of debauchery that that we? Well, I the mean, sports so, and social club, so the, or the sports so, and socialist club. Yes. Um, you, you don't often see MPs in there, really. Right. Okay. Um, apart from what, who, Eric so, Joyce. So who <laughs> goes? So people who, because as a guest, I couldn't go in there, right? Or uh, could I? Y- y- yeah, sports and social is oh, fine. Okay. Um, as, but you know, if you're on the estate, you need to be with you need to be with a pass holder anyway. So right. You, so you know, you can't just wander in. No. Can't just be in London. It's not like sports a, and social. It's not like a big spoons. No, well, it is quite like a spoons, but it's not like you know you can't just pop in. Maybe he'll take over. Maybe Tim Martin will take over after Brexit. Possibly bring so. the prices down even Possibly further. Possibly so. There's also, I mean, the, the sports and social club apparently has got. A, I don't know if it's still there. Dartboard. But it's got a sign outside that says the code of the man cave. What happens here stays here. Violators will be shot. Survivors will be shot again. And one person who has broken that code of a murder is Alice Bailey, who was a barmaid there for four years, and she was in the sun. She said that she'd been in four years she'd been propositioned by thirty different MPs. Uh One had spent two hours begging her for sex, and somebody described as a Labour veteran had had twelve pints, then followed her home and groped her. Yeah, I know that is. And don't say who it is. And then she and she said that they fancied their chances because I was just a young barmaid, and in their minds they were very important people who presumed I would be available. So, yeah, it's, it doesn't sound great. The sports and social club. Is I quite it? like it. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, the thing is, you, you, it's rare you're going to see really anyone very senior in there. That's true. Not a lot of journalists really drinking there. Right. Certainly not. You know, your big hitters. You're not going to bump into Peston and Mar. Yes. And Coonsberg in the sports and social, um, and I, you know, I've, I have to say, I've not been in a great deal. I haven't been in for a few years actually. But the, um, I've, I don't think I've ever seen an MP in there. So, but okay. they do, uh, they do go. I mean, they do go, and it was a fairly big hangout of the Labour left for a long time. But again, I think that the, I think that in these days of Twitter, and cameras on your phone and things like that. It's just not a good look to be propping up a bar when you're no. when you're an MP, and I know that you're not really supposed to take pictures on your phone inside the Palace of Westminster, but people do, mm. even MPs do. Right. So it's just, I just I think that the, there was a big drinking culture. I think that that's gone now to mm. to a greater or less extent. I think it's even somewhat gone in the in the lobby in the with the journalists. I mean, the first time I ever went to the press bar, I wasn't a political journalist at the time. It was a hellhole. This place awful scuzzy little bar and the bar the barman put two pints of very cheap beer on the bar which mm-hmm. I'd just purchased and then as I was going to go and lift them up off the bar he reached out and lifted them to about head height and I thought well, what's going on you know I've given him the money up why is he taking my beer away and then he looked sharply to his to his left and two rats went across the bar <laughs> <laughs> and he put them back down <laughs> They may have been mice. I may be playing really? it, up, but nonetheless. So, you know, Mon, Mon Crease in the new press bar is um, so much more salubrious. Well, I wouldn't go as far as this salubrious, sort of plasticky. But are there? So, what are the pubs outside that people go to? Because the the St Stephen's Tavern. St Stephen's Tavern is the one that 
I think a lot, a lot of people who went on the, uh, the the marches earlier this year, that's the one sort of on the corner, isn't it? Next to Portcullis House, and you can see Big Ben. So yes. A lot of people have gone to that, and yeah. also a lot of people from Britain first seem to oh, go yeah, to that. They, they were outside they sort of, there, weren't they? Yeah, they turned up, didn't they? Um, but I, staring. I mean, I like the I like the Red Lion. Yeah. Especially in the summer, because you can you can hang outside, and you're right on Whitehall. That's still a favourite, the Red Lion. And there is a division bell in there. So that's right. Good. Okay. Because you need to dash off and put, yeah, I on there. Just in case any listeners. Uh, want to go for a drink in Westminster? Yeah. Where is the which is the pub to avoid that Nigel Farage might be in? Well, I don't want to damage the poor pub's business. Yeah. I think you should go along. Go along and take pictures of him. Yeah. And send them to us. Yeah. Get yourself a pint. Have a chat with him. Yeah. Have a chat with Nigel. Yeah. Um, it, probably, the Westminster Arms. The Westminster Arms. Mm. Okay. So Nigel if you're Farage. in the Westminster Arms, carry on. I get a pint next. I'm sure it's lovely. I've never been in. Yeah. Carry on and go to the Feathers. Much better pub. Okay. I mean, it's good that Nigel Farage does quite a lot of drinking in the House of Commons because obviously he has to rush back then for his. Oh no, he's he's not actually a member of the House of Commons. Is well, he? that's why he's not in the Sports and Social probably because yeah, yeah. he's got to drink outside the, uh, the right. parliamentary bars. Because he's tried seven times, hasn't he, <laughs> to be elected to the House of Commons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a career politician though. He's not a career politician. He hates them. Yeah, he does. Come on, guess some of these prices. If you go okay. and buy, what what would you what what lager would you like, sir? Carlsberg. Uh, Peroni, I can only do you in a bottle oh, no, uh, in well, Strangers. Go, let's go for the pints then. Okay, so you can have a Stella, a Carlsberg, or a Coors Light. I'll have a, I'll have a Stella. How much Choice do you reckon? of Daleks. How much do you reckon? Well, in so central London prices would be about £5.50. Yeah, I would have thought so, yeah. Um, so let's say, if it's heavily reduced, let's say it's £4.80. Nope. Lower. Lower? Go yeah. on. Three seventy five. <laughs> God almighty. Yeah, yeah, 3.75. If you where, were to, where was that? The Strangers that's Bar? That's in Strangers. Yeah. If you were to... Um, if you were uh, a guest of a member of the press and you wanted to yeah. pop into Moncrief's okay. um, and you wanted a pint of Peroni, you wanted a pint of Peroni when you were in Strangers. Yeah, yeah so I did. So come on, I'll take you upstairs. All right. We'll go, we'll so that is that is premium lager, isn't it, Peroni? And this is good. This is the good stuff. This is this is really good, yeah. I know for a fact that it's £4.95 in Norwich. It is. So in London... Well, I, I mean, I have paid... Another pound, I think it? I've paid £6.50, but let's... So let's say it's... it's let's say it's £5.00. Yeah, Ansem, I would say. I reckon you're five pounds, five fifty-five, yeah. seventy-five, even. Okay. Certainly around around uh, SW1. So three fifty-five. Three fifty-five. Yeah, yeah. No wonder people want to become MPs. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is marvellous. Yeah. And the, and then the smoking room. Yeah, the smoking room. Can you smoke in that? I'm not allowed in. Why? why? This it's is MPs only. Very exclusively for MPs and peers only. Okay. It's rather posh. But surely you can't smoke inside, can you? Uh, no, I think there was a there was a there was a, uh, when the smoking ban first came in. There was a period where you could. I don't think right. Can okay. Because it would be good if they had one of those little, you know, you know, when you go to a, a French or Italian train station, and, and when I was yeah, in yeah. Japan recently, <laughs> yes. sh- some shops have them. Yeah. Shops and, and and there's a little sort of smoky pod. Yeah, yeah. And they're all in there, like you know. I fell asleep in the one in Singapore Airport. Rapidly yellowing. <laughs> yeah, of course. The one in Singapore Airport, you have to walk through a butterfly house to get to. Do you? Very weird. Um, or you'd certainly used to. So uh, I tell you what, how much for 
You can buy Beck's alcohol free. I couldn't find that anywhere else, but you can buy it in this book as well. Why would those, you want to? I bet those bottles are dusty, aren't uh, they? Yeah, they don't do any pints because okay. you know this is posh. All right, let's let's go let's go then. So if you were to buy a good bottle of champagne, these are good bottles of champagne. This is exclusive. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you you know got so you really got something to celebrate. And you were out in a in one of London's top night spots. Yeah, think of so if you were out in a club, you would pay about seventy five oh, to one hundred. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, how much? Thirty five quid. <laughs> Bad is it? I wonder if you do takeouts. It could save me a fortune. Christmas It'd be excellent, coming. wouldn't it? Yes, there is. Uh, I mean, there's there's loads of wine. What about uh, you want a glass of Burgundy? Yeah. How much would you pay for a, a glass of Burgundy in central London? Depending on the size of the glass, anywhere between, Big. then I would say we're talking between eight and ten. Yeah, five pound fifty. Okay. I don't really know how much it costs to buy a spirit, but twenty-five millilitres of uh, Jack Daniels. Twenty-five millilitres of Jack Daniels. So that's a single. A measure, single, isn't yeah. it? So how much would you pay for a Jack and Coke? About five quid, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Three forty-five. Okay. <laughs> it's extraordinary, isn't it? Well. I mean, yeah. The cost of a um, a pint of beer, the average cost in the Commons bars, three pound thirty-five. Yeah, which that's because of the Carlsberg, which is quite <laughs> remarkable, isn't it? And the and the taxpayers pay two point seven million a year to uh, subsidise bars and restaurants at the House of Commons. The press yeah. should continue to get subsidised alcohol. I very much agree with that. But I would like to widen it out to all the licensed <laughs> premises of Britain, not just the ones Everyone in the House of Everyone with a press Commons. card. Well, let's ask the barman here if he'll... Can, we want a refund. Yeah, yeah, come on. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. We've returned from the pub. We're back. and But now we're going to crown our Brexiteer of the Week. Steve. It's a good job I've been drinking because there's been utter madness by uh, by some of the Brexiteers this week. I, I, I want to mention a men, member of the public first, Ruth from North Yorkshire. Don't know her. Hitherto unknown political analyst of great moxie and savvy. <laughs> she called Radio 5 Live's Rachel Burden show last Friday morning as the details of the deal were coming out. Mm. Uh, she didn't like it. No. Nope. She didn't like it. She said uh, she blamed uh, the Irish uh, basically, she said the T-Sop, or whatever they call him, has brought this up as a red herring which he's thrown across the path, which I liked. Uh, and then she then she had an argument with Rachel Burden about whether Ireland and the Republic of Ireland had a physical border. She said that they did, and Rachel Burden said, have you ever crossed it? And she said no. And Rachel <laughs> Burden said, have you ever been to Ireland in the first place? And she said no. And she said, I realise talk is cheap, but I just don't like it. Yeah. She's, I, I, it's only a matter of time for she's got a, a job in, yeah. the, uh, in David Davis's Possibly, team. Possibly David Davis's own job. There was also, I must mention, another caller to Rachel Burden's show, Anne from the, from the West Midlands, who phoned up to say that she was so proud of Brexit that she had a certificate made <laughs> to say that she'd voted leave. And Rachel Burden said, oh, is that in pride of place above your fireplace? And Anne from the West Midlands said, no, I keep it in the cupboard. Um, <laughs> Oh, wow, I'm going to start making myself certificates. <laughs> yeah. Got home safely again. That's right. Had a drink with a Dalek. <laughs> Nigel Farage, remember him? Uh, uh, oh, yes. I saw him in the Westminster Arms. Did you? Horrible little man, isn't he? What a tit. Um, Nigel Farage. So, 
short on, on last Friday when he was beginning <laughs> to foam at the old mouth yeah. about the, uh, the the phase one Brexit agreement, his mate Banksy Aaron Banks yeah. uh, tweeted that Theresa May had overseen, and I'm quoting here, the biggest sellout of this country since Pedo Ted signed us up to the European project in 1973. I don't know. I don't think we have to spell out who Pedo Ted is. I think he's related to Super Ted in some way. But did he actually say that? In his he tweet? did. Didn't he? Yeah, he did. So they're setting themselves against these people, and then Nigel Farage uh, makes a, an impassioned defence of Judge Roy Moore, who hilariously failed to become the senator from Alabama this week. Ding he, dong. He said, uh, Judge Roy Moore, let's kick a man when he's down. Yeah. Hard. He was a prosecutor in his 30s. He has been accused of molesting a 14-year-old and sexually assaulting a 16-year-old when he was a prosecutor in his 30s. And Nigel Farage said he wanted to know how, for someone who's been in public life, these issues have not been raised before. He's been in public life a long time. And obviously... Nigel Farage did not stop to consider why teenage girls many years ago might have thought twice about accusing a, a member of the powerful member of the legal establishment, or indeed the fact that it took decades and decades for the accusers of Jimmy Savile, Rolf Harris, Stuart yeah. Hall, all yeah. these people to come really, out. Uh, really, actually, all joking and laughing aside, a ridiculous and very dangerous thing to have said. Yeah. So, but when did logic and evidence ever ma- ma- matter to Nigel Farage? Max Clifford is one of my Brexiteers of the week this Controversial. week. Controversial. Um, the late PR pervert, Max Clifford, is now, <laughs> outside, the, is now outside the pearly gates, yeah. asking St Peter to let him in. Yeah. I'll give you some dirt on St Paul yeah. if you do. <laughs> yeah. um, Max Clifford is in some small way responsible for all this mess because in 2003 he went out for lunch with Nigel Farage in Weybridge in Surrey, uh-huh. a very nice part of the world. Yeah. And despite being a lifelong socialist, he agreed to generously agreed to accept a hundred thousand pounds uh, for six months' work to make UKIP presentable. And I'll tell you what he did because yeah. in two thousand and three, UKIP were jokers. rightly viewed as jokers, yeah. nutters, and racists. Yeah, BMP in a suit. Yeah, frankly. And he wrote in his book, the next, which came out the next year, Max Clifford, I arranged to introduce Nigel to various editors, including Piers Morgan, Andy Coulson, Rebecca Wade. So they could talk to him directly and be more open to the views of UKIP. I also reduced UKIP's message to something simple that people could relate to. This was that we should be controlled by Westminster, not by Brussels. Mm. It worked very well. UKIP started getting stuff in the papers that they hadn't been able to before. What I managed to do was to give UKIP a fighting chance to deliver their message. And he ended by saying, when people talk about my work, they usually mention my success in putting Rebecca Lewis in the spotlight. Uh, but what I did for UKIP was personally far more difficult and satisfying. And, and can also be compared to the of a pig. Yes. Uh, I yes. Think. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Which Rebecca Lewis did on TV. That's right. For the Yes. By the way, that... Um, Max Clifford book, I'm sure it's very hard to come by now, but it is truly the worst piece of writing I have ever come across and I spent ten years on a news desk Right. It's awful Okay, I'll take your word for it Um, I used to have to ring him almost every day, mm. Max Clifford for a period of time to get updates on Jade Goody, God rest her soul Well, poor old Jade Goody Uh, So farewell Maxie, but the Brexiteer of the week is Peter Bone he is, uh, as you know, he is the Wellingborough MP. He is a hard Brexit headbanger. He looks quite a bit like Sven-Goran Eriksson, doesn't he? He does. Um, 
He's had a remarkable few days, Peter Bone. He he sort of popped up just before the when the deal was in limbo. Mm. Uh, he popped up at PMQs to say that he was prepared to fly to Brussels with Theresa May. Yes, yes, I saw which that. Which she politely declined, didn't she? Yeah. The, uh, then uh, at the weekend, he appeared on Sky News in a remarkable, horrendous. <laughs> green and black day glow tie. Oh, I saw that. That was something else. It, that was like something that he'd been given at the construction yeah, workers' yeah, exactly. ball or something, wasn't it? Which I think you haven't you spoken at that? Oh yes, recently. yes, yes. And then and he and he said that Brussels had caved into all our demands. Mm. And then the next day he was back on there <clears> saying <throat> we shouldn't pay them a penny. So and not thirty nine billion. So I suppose they didn't really cave into all of their demands. However. He is Brexiteer of the Week because of his Christmas card, which sadly I can't show to you in this audio environment, but take it from me, it's remarkable, you can look it up, and it depicts Peter Bone as a Grinch-like figure <laughs> yeah. flying high on a Sansa, Sansa sleigh, yeah. and beneath, he's taken all the presents off Jean-Claude Juncker and... <laughs> and is it Angela Merkel, I think? I think so. Uh, uh, who are, are down below, uh, appear to be crying, and he's written <laughs> over their heads, sorry, no presents for you. And he is the, the sort of the, the, the Grinch of Brexit. And what is the matter with Peter Bone? Is it, in the words of Dr Zeus, could it be, perhaps, that Peter Bone's shoes are too tight? Could it be, perhaps, that Peter Bone's head isn't screwed on just right? But I think the most likely reason of all may be that Peter Bone's heart is two sizes too small. Oh. What a beautiful thing. So, Peter Bone, Brexiteer of the Week, Nigel Farage. Congratulations, Peter. So, Steve, what should people do if they like this pod? Well, they should congratulate themselves, first of all. We've got excellent taste, madam and sir. Absolutely. Um, you should... You should give us a great review on iTunes. Yes, you should please. give us many, many stars on iTunes. It These makes things, a massive difference there. Really, it really helps us get up the rankings. Uh, you should do the same on Audio Boom if you are a non-iOS person. Uh, you can follow us uh, at The New European on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow me if you like, not personally. Uh, at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Um, and you can follow me at Porrit, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. And stay angry till we meet again. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, go and buy the paper. It is on sale now and there is lots of great stuff in there. It's not just politics. It's not even just Brexit. There is art. There is culture. There is music. There is film. There is fashion. And there is food. I'm Richard Porritt, and to play us out is Mr. Alistair Campbell. showing me <laughs> in a dramatic just, turn of yeah, events. There you go. The Prime Minister has requested the pleasure of my company. <laughs> <laughs> she has. She You've has, actually yeah. got an invite to meet the Prime Minister.
Well, I've met her before. I've yeah. got to wear smart clothes, though, and it's next Monday, so I'm not sure I can attend. <laughs> oh, dear. Never mind. No. I'll still turn her down. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 